This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Todd Willits, and I'm joined by EPFR's economist, Cameron Brandt. We'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll look for in the upcoming week. Cam, good morning. I know we had a brief taste of spring last week. Did you get out and enjoy it? Well, I was able to watch it uh, slide by out of the window uh, and escape just before the weekend when everything turned much colder. But uh, it did get it did give hope, uh, which of course is uh, what everyone is uh, projecting now that the uh, Biden administration's uh, 1.9 trillion stimulus package is actually heading towards his desk. What a pivot. So speaking of hope, obviously that package going through last week was really the, I think, was the main driver of the activity we saw um, in two areas, reflation and inflation. Yes, it it certainly uh, uh, pumped fresh energy into both sides of the sort of yin and yang story that we've been tracking for some while. Uh, the yin being faith that the global economy will reflate with a vengeance during the second half of this year, and the yang being that uh, that reflation is going to be accompanied by uh, much higher price growth than we've seen in some time. So let's start with the reflation story. Uh, it seems like it's been a real great time to be an equity fund in our universe. Uh, Do you think there's uh, something that might happen over the next few weeks, or do you expect this run to continue? The the pattern seems um, pretty well established. And uh, since it's concentrated on uh, some of the bigger fund groups, um, there's sort of less potential, I think, for surprises. Um, you know, we are seeing a little more prospecting at the country level, um, <clears throat> some some stronger um, positions taken uh, in and out of country funds, especially in Europe and the emerging markets. Uh, but the overall pattern has been uh, very stable for some time. Um, and uh, you, you, I think for the next couple of weeks, we're going to see the pattern you know, gain a little fresh momentum now that uh, the much talked about stimulus package really is uh, a reality rather than an expectation. So why don't you explain a little bit of what you saw in the data last week around inflation? Because I know that the the narrative really started to pick up momentum with that stimulus package. Right. Well, what, what we saw was the biggest collective outflow from the bond funds we tracked since uh, March of last year when we were going through the pandemic panic. Um, I'll preface this bit of the discussion by saying that uh, – Though I think this would have been true regardless, the the headline number was exaggerated by the fact that uh, Credit Suisse uh, liquidated a number of funds uh, tied to that uh, collapsed uh, trade finance company Greensill. Uh, Many of those were parked in our global bond fund uh, universe, so there was a... uh, 
uh, an outflow from global bond funds, uh, you know, approaching nine billion, that had a very specific uh, cause uh, rather than sort of reflecting the general market narrative. Um, but with that aside, um, you know, we certainly saw. Um, the uh, redemptions from emerging markets bond funds were the biggest in over you know, nearly 11 months. Um, and there was just a general re retreat from fixed income uh, as uh, investors really focused on what this uh, torrent of new ish issuance in the U.S. to finance uh, Immediate spending uh, means for um, means for yields, interest rates, um, uh, and inflationary pressures. Um, and you, we didn't see you know an outsized reaction. I think people are still sort of trying to uh, work out how much slack there is in the U.S. and global economies. Uh, to deal with this surge in demand. Um, but, you know, it was noticeable that once again, um, you know, we saw solid flows into bank loan funds, uh, a group that uh, couldn't buy an inflow for months and months uh, during the sort of past three or four years. Um, Inflation-protected bond funds continued their, their run of inflows. One thing that was interesting to me was that despite the inflation narrative, uh, gold funds so far have not uh, benefited from that. Um, another $2 billion flowed out of them, of the ones that we track this week. Um, so... Um, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the people are definitely sort of looking at this uh, you know, projected inflation, I think, somewhat differently than they have classically. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, at least at this point more the product of extraordinary policy rather than sort of the macroeconomic processes that you learned about in your economics course. Uh, in college. So uh, there's no doubt that the flows sort of suggest, you know, a broad expectation this will happen, but a great deal of uncertainty as to how it will play out and where we'll really see the pain points. Could we in, be in a situation where the expectation is much greater than what reality may deliver? I mean, as we get back into economies opening up, is there a chance that People have overestimated. I mean, there's all, there's always a chance, uh, as, as we've seen time and time again over over the past decade or so. Um, uh, fears of sort of great macroeconomic uh, uh, inflection points ha have tended to be more bumps in the road when we actually got to them. Uh, but you know, I am uh, on the side of those that think that this will be. Um, a more sustained increase in prices than certainly the the optimists are, are hoping it will not. Um, you know, I, I think that the, um, you know, the the damage on the supply side done by the global lockdowns and the uh, sort of Sino-U.S. trade war uh, in the years before uh, 2020. 
really have um, changed the the calculation for on the on the supply side. Uh, I don't see the Biden administration as being uh, you know hugely pro all out free trade. Uh, and I also think, uh, and this will sound more heretical, but uh, I think one of the things we're going to see um, adding to inflationary pressures over the next 18 months is the fact that uh, uh, energy policy is going to be where ESG leaves the sidelines and, and moves into the arena. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing that in spades, uh, certainly in the U.S. and Europe has always had, uh, you know, a, a strong focus on that. And you only need to look at Germany's experience uh, in making a major commitment to greening their electricity supply uh, to realize that, you know, this is not a smooth process. You don't just bring... Um, wind and solar in, and it seamlessly displaces gas and coal. Uh, Germany's electricity prices are now some of the highest in the developed world. Um, and, you know, that's going to play out, I think, more immediately on the oil side of the equation. Uh, I think just because of the changing uh, philosophy and change in administration, uh, it would be unwise to expect uh, the U.S. Uh, shale patch to sort of ride to the rescue uh, as as prices climb this time around. So I know you and the team are, are looking at this space. I want to highlight the big rotation, or maybe it's not a big rotation, but I know it's one that you've you've identified away from healthcare and tech to to finance and energy. Um, uh, on the on the finance side, um, I think it has you know growth is obviously uh, generally good thing for financial uh, plays. Um, you you have more people borrowing money, more people sort of taking IPOs to market. Um, the steeper yield curve, while it sort of sends shivers of alarm uh, down policymakers, uh, you know, is classically a better thing for banks who sort of uh, uh, lend a, lend at the short end, but sort of price those loans uh, further down the curve. Um, so their margins will get a modest uh, modest bounce. Um, and uh, on the energy side, uh, as I said, uh, I think that investors see a situation where. Um, there's sort of two, uh, two tracks to the energy story. The green one is going to enjoy enormous amounts of public support, uh, financial support. Um, and the, for want of a better term, the, the legacy fossil fuels are going to remain in demand uh, because you can't change uh, on a dime, but uh, supplies of oil and gas are going to be much tighter. There has been a significant drop-off in investment and uh, in the private sector. You know, the Shell and BP are clearly uh, cutting way back on the development of new sources of, uh, of oil. It's probably not music to the ears of people who heat their homes in the northeast of America who still, frankly, are really heavily dependent on fossil fuels. 
Yes, yes, and you know, and and that that is the catch twenty two. That uh, while I think uh, we all all agree that given the trends in climate and and sort of the broad health of global health that we need to do these things um to assume that there won't be any pain uh, economic pain uh, in the process is very unwise so kim what are you and the team looking at this week so two things um and both of them sort of pick up a little bit from what we've talked about now uh we're going to be sort of uh, looking uh uh, to see what uh, we can tease out of the data in terms of, of, of trade patterns, trade expectations. Uh, we've been getting a lot of uh, questions as a business about uh, what we expect in terms of a U.S. Sino reset. Um, and, uh, you know, that obviously has big implications on on a number of sector fund groups. Um, you know, our yeah, projections for um, interest in, in major regions. Um, so we're going to be devoting a bit of time to that. Uh, and then we're also going to be discussing uh, a question that uh, was raised by another client, uh, you know, we have talked about reflation of the global economy, uh, but the question was, you know, are we looking at uh, a rebound, which is basically just catch up with unspent money and all this stimulus, or a real recovery? Um, you know, we're cert certainly at an inflection point. Um, there, and, and, you know, some of the new U.S. policies are certainly aimed at reshaping uh, the economy in, in a way which, you know, it, it, if their best case scenario is correct, uh, you know, I think you'll be able to call it a recovery will emerge with uh, new industries, new ways of doing things. Um, uh, but on the other hand, um, it could just be sort of a sugar rush of, of borrowed and saved money uh, that peters out early next year, in which case it's sort of a rebound or if you're a real cynic, a dead cat bounce. And this is, I'm, I know there are certain industries which are relying on both, right? Listening right. to an interview with the CEO of Carnival Cruise Lines, I think they are expecting a recovery, but even a rebound is going to help them, frankly. Yes, though I think uh, uh, I think it is an important question because you, if you're just uh, expecting a rebound, you don't add much extra capacity. You just try and squeeze as much out of what you've got, uh, so, so that you make a profit but aren't exposed when that sugar rush fades. Whereas if you believe in a recovery, you you might order a new solar-powered cruise ship. Fair enough. Thanks, Cam. Have a great week. I will. You too. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast.